Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to the Dadhood Podcast. This is episode 14 with Dr. Saman Butt. He is the chief editor at the website Islam21C. Uh, he's also got a PhD in biology and he is a father to four children. Uh, in this episode, it's quite a long episode, we spoke about a number of things, uh, going through the types of tarbiyah that we should be giving our children, uh, going through some of the kind of underlying philosophies and logics that exist in Western society and uh, where it goes wrong and where how we can maybe address some of these things uh, as our children grow up. We also went into uh, the ideas uh, around instant gratification, the dangers of social media, uh, the dangers of uh, advertising, of marketing um, and we kind of link that all back in terms of the types of solutions that we can come up with uh, and we can implement in our family home in order to help our children to grow up to be the best versions of themselves. Uh, so this is a really good one. Uh, I would say it's something that you, you need to take out your time out to listen to uh, and you can listen to this uh, and download it uh, on iTunes, on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. So make sure you give a follow on there, subscribe to the YouTube channel, give it a like, drop a comment on some of your uh, favourite parts of the discussion as well. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Dadhood Podcast, Dr. Salman. You have finally made it. Alhamdulillah, you're qualified for uh, our so our guest list criteria. You know, after yeah. much consideration, we had to go through and ask a lot of people whether it's a good idea to bring you on or not, whether you meet the fatherhood criteria. <laughs> but Alhamdulillah, you passed the test and, and, and you've made it. Uh, I hope you're, what, what I hope you're prepared. What number is this? Number three? This is number, well, it could be number 13 or 14, depending on which way around I release uh, the, these episodes. I just came off Don't of a, a recording. Out <laughs> Don't mention just, anything out of date. Yeah, don't mention like, uh, anything. Here's all the house rules for you. Uh, don't incriminate yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, don't, don't say anything that, that your wife shouldn't hear. Um, yeah, all, all that good stuff. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> I'm sure the door is closed, the kids are out of sight, yeah? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, because we're going to start speaking mm. about them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, today, uh, I want to go into a few things, because obviously we've been uh, in many different discussions about parenting, whether that's in certain workshops that we've been together, or just discussions on the mm. side. Um, and, uh, of course, there are a plethora of parenting articles that have come out on Islam 21C. Uh, and those are um, articles that you would have read through, you would have uh, approved, you would have taken some benefits from, and maybe you would have. You think so? Uh, <laughs> you would have added uh, some. You you have your own views and ideas as well uh, when it comes to fatherhood and parenting. So we're going to try and explore all of those. I guess first of all, uh, what we need to do is start with our traditional question, which we always ask our guests, which is, "How many children mm -hmm. do you have?" And how old were you when you had your children? Okay. Bismillah, um, alhamdulillah, I was 23 years old when I got married. Um, and 23... Uh, yeah, I think I was 23 still. Okay. Maybe 24 when he was born. My okay, alhamdulillah. Son, he's 11. Then uh, number two, I forget his name. He was just kidding. He's Abdullah. He's uh, um, nine, then seven, and then we had a a, a child of the lockdown, 
a baby. Mashallah. Uh, one and a half years ago, almost. So that's Mashallah. four by my count. That's and four, and they're all boys. Yeah, three first three were boys, and we finally got a girl. Alhamdulillah. Oh, uh, last year, after three failed attempts. I mean, after three <laughs> beautiful boys. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so you ha- you had I uh, mean similar to me. I had my son pretty much straight away within <clears throat> the first year of, of marriage. Was that mm. uh, a conscious decision? Like you wanted to be a young father, you wanted to have children early on, that was your vision for yourself? Or was that, it just it came along? It was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't planned, but alhamdulillah. Yeah, um, alhamdulillah. He turned okay. out to be a bit of a legend. Mashallah, mashallah, that's good. Mashallah. Did did uh, Did that that changed the trajectory of your life at that point. I mean, 23 is just out of uni, just starting a career, uh, or maybe I you're still studying. still in uni. <laughs> still, you're still studying, you were doing your yeah, master's. Yeah, I was, uh, was in my, doing my PhD then. Okay. And um, it's kind of like working anyway, you know, you get paid and you got like an income coming in. Um, you just, you know, longer hours and stuff than usual. And you're still living that student life. But um, yeah, it was really good. I, I really actually do encourage a lot of brothers uh, I knew uh, doing PhDs. They were, they were, you know, family men. Um, I got married in I think second year of my PhD. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I do recommend it. I mean, I recommend. There's this whole. There's always this thing, isn't it? Do you wanna have kids when you're young so you can enjoy them more when you get older, or do you wanna save up more and establish your feet and then got more money yeah. under your belt one guy said um but i mean i'm i'm of the first camp to be honest i think uh yeah. the children they bring the risk anyway and uh especially with risk we shouldn't delay having children because of you know what if i you know into financial kind of uh, decisions and stuff because the risk is something that it just comes man um, yeah so many you can think of like almost mini miracles you know when your <clears throat> times are tough you have a child and then Allah opens up a door to something you know definitely do you, do you have any of those reflections of when your your children were born that there was a a shift in in, in your life that occurred unexpectedly yeah yeah I mean, I mean the most recent one um i can't actually divulge too many details because it's uh, still an ongoing case <laughs> <laughs> But our case, uh, you know, um, let's just say our case against the government, as soon as my the baby was born, mm. alhamdulillah, you know, we just got a random email out, a letter out of the blue saying they wanted to resolve the case. Wow. If you get what I mean. So, um, alhamdulillah, a bit news coming soon about that. <laughs> Inshallah. Inshallah. I have to wait until uh, certain apologies are made in open court. <laughs> by certain people but you heard you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> dadhood exclusive mashallah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i mean i i had experiences like that you know um i got married on a very low income <clears throat> and uh i was also whilst working full-time working uh studying uh, my master's part-time so low income not a lot of time uh me and, and the wife were living apart and then we found out that, uh, alhamdulillah, she's pregnant, had to move in together, move out of her parents' home, find a flat mm. outside of London. Um, so it brought a lot of challenges, but at the same time, um, came with a promotion out of nowhere, increased the salary, uh, mm. you know, and a lot of good then 
kept following on from there. So definitely like that. I've had, and I've, it's not just these kind of, I've heard this from a lot of people where when they, either when their wife becomes pregnant or the child is born or somewhere mm. in that journey, something happens unexpectedly that helps them either financially, helps them maybe with any difficulties they're having, helps them with their own self-development, with their mental health, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's, uh, you're right, it's because obviously uh, children bring their own risk and that's definitely not it's something a, It's a deeper... It's a deeper kind of aqadi point we have to kind of get across, which is risk. You know, we shouldn't feel it's not from the, you know, it's not befitting of a Muslim to kind of feel panicky and and uh, worry too much about worldly risk, right? Because Allah subhanahu wa taala has taken it upon Himself to provide for His creatures, mm. yeah. And you know, Subhanallah, there's a, an amazing hadith. Okay, I was discussing it the other day with some brothers. Um, the Prophet mentions five things, and then he says five things will accompany that or follow. So five cause and effect relationships, and one of them is. Um, so he says, you know, there's no people that fahisha spreads amongst them except that death and new types of diseases will spread among them that never existed before. Uh, second, then he says, um, there's no people who cheat in their uh, scales, the, the you know the weighing scales like business and, and measurement and stuff, except that they'll be afflicted with famine, and a tyrant rulers over them, and there's no people who prevent their zakah or stop giving their zakah, except that uh, the rain will be stopped. Yeah. Wow. And if it wasn't for the fact that they had animals, they wouldn't get a single drop. Now, this this highlights a source-sync relationship, what we call in biology, yeah? <laughs> or in maybe systems engineering or whatever, and other other people have this. That PhD was worth it just for flow, this. Yeah, <laughs> when you have a flow of, of anything, metabolites or atoms or a particular molecule or whatever, um, there's a connection between the source of that into the system and what we call the sink, which is where it ends up. Yeah. So when I was um, doing research, we, we partnered with a, a group that was focusing on um, lignin synthesis in plants. Lignin is, you know, the, the woody part of plants, yeah, the, the bark of the tree and stuff like that is made of lignin. Oh. And that's a huge kind of um, store of carbon. And I was working on the enzyme which is responsible for bringing carbon into the plant in the first place so our enzyme was the source carbon coming in carbon dioxide coming in then you have the whole photosynthesis Krebs cycle and all that gets made into longer chain molecules and it, a lot of it ends up in um, lignin biosynthesis what this group did was they turned off the lignin biosynthesis bit yeah so they inhibited that process i.e. where a lot of the carbon ends up. So we were looking at what effect that has. They were looking at what effect does that have. You know, where is it going to maybe, you know, imagine loads and loads of carbons coming in. You turned off where it's ending up. Where's Where's it going to be yeah. accumulated or whatever. It wasn't accumulated. It actually turned off at the source. Hmm. Yeah. So okay. the end product, yeah, the end product, the, 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 um, yeah, the end product of all of that carbon, when you turn that off, it stops coming into the plant in the first place. Yeah, and I always remember this when I hear this hadith. When you stop giving the grain, Allah will yeah. stop the rain. Yeah. 
mm. yeah from from above the heavens every raindrop every atom every molecule every nitrogen atom in the soil or whatever it's meticulously planned that this is going to end up this this resource this risk is written for such and such person yeah who's going to receive zakat your zakat at the end yeah. yeah if you don't give your zakat it may be that allah is giving you all your wealth because you have some mouths to feed and it's written for them if you don't give it to them allah may stop the rain coming in the first place yeah that's why the prophet sallallahu said when some you know a person complained that his brother or someone is uh you know keeps asking for money and so forth and he has to support someone he said maybe allah is only providing you risk because you're giving it yeah. to them yeah. so it's all it's all part of a cosmic global system right so it's, it's a perfect system um and there's no reason for you to get more risk if you don't have more mouths to feed it's just you know you might work hard you might get some deals come through or not but if you have more mouths to feed now that's like a, a huge you know uh, elevating factor for you to receive more risk now because yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, provide for those people yeah mm-hmm. Allah says in the Quran we are the ones who provide for uh, you and for them yeah. Yeah. So don't you know? Don't kill your. Uh, that there was that was a practice. That was the shubha that the shayateen would give people. Yeah. To kill these children out of out of fear of poverty. That's a bit extreme. But it's the same kind of uh, argument, right? That not yeah. having the kids in the first place because you fear poverty. No, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will give the risk. And uh, it, it, I remembered all of this because of this petrol panic recently. <laughs> <laughs> this this, you know, because. That's when you, you the know, panic when, buying. Mm. yeah, when things are going nice, it's easy yeah. to be have you know, have good akhlaq and be nice and mm. say, you know, yeah, we're very nice people. But when a bit of scarcity comes, that's when your true metal is tested. That's yeah, when yeah. the true, the underlying logics that underpin your life, your behavior, that's when those come out. Your real character yeah. comes out. Mm. And a lot of us have absorbed liberalism's um, underlying logic of man vis-a-vis man which is at the, at the end of it you strip away everything that the human being is a pleasure-seeking pain-avoiding creature that is just competing for scarce resources you know that's not our that's not the islamic vision for human being yeah uh, we have you know we have uh, we we shouldn't and vi- human being and human being vis-a-vis resources yeah, yeah. so is you know resources are there to be dominated and and the territory to be exploited and so forth um islamically allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a different vision for human beings in ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa yeah we're making a, a a steward on the earth right so we have Everything we're interacting with, with the petrol cues or whatever, um, it might be out of date by the time this comes out, but <laughs> petrol cues, uh, you know, we have to recognize that we are being tested with how, you know, greedy are we being with these yeah. resources that Allah has given us. And the irony is, there wouldn't be a panic. There would be no panic. There would be no um, 
loss of or, or shortage of supply if there wasn't a spike in demand because people just partly the yeah. government's part they said the two words you're not supposed to say don't think <laughs> yeah um, but people if people were just doing, carrying out their normal purchasing behavior there wouldn't be any queues and stuff yeah uh, now we have to now is our chance right, to take some leadership to, to, to offer a different model of human beings you know, man vis-a-vis nature, man vis-a-vis uh, other man, that we're not just trying to compete to fill up your own tank, even if you don't need it. You have to con- be considerate. You can think, okay, uh, it's hard, but you have to have that tawakkul when it comes to your risk. This is yep. a risk. Yeah? That when... Because normally, what, what do I do? I wait till my tank is completely rinsed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go, you know, when you when the, all the boxes disappear, <laughs> you have a you have a reserve thing. Yeah. Right? You know, there's one underneath reserve. Is there? <laughs> yeah, even less than that. Yeah, it's when your car is running on idle kursi. <laughs> yeah, that's when I normally. Uh, <laughs> I know it's irresponsible sometimes, but it's not very good for you your know. car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I was thinking, look, Alhamdulillah, before this. Uh, you know, before the this panic happened, I had already filled up, so I had that kind of luxury. Same, alhamdulillah. Other people, alhamdulillah. But I was thinking when I was at halfway, oh, should I should I put yeah. some petrol in or whatever? But then I thought, no, 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 that wouldn't be the tawakkul thing to do, right? Because that's not your normal habit. And if this is the whole reason why, whether it's toilet people fighting fighting over toilet rolls or in the pandemic or this yeah. kind of stuff, it's because people just having that panicky attitude towards this yeah. have to work all and alhamdulillah when I was getting a bit low on petrol petro station miraculously got a delivery right in front of me <laughs> and, this, and I was like a uh, second in line or something so nice and then the guy was saying go ahead fill up you don't need to do a 35 pound limit I was like well <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do it anyway I didn't fill it up fill out because I felt a bit guilty I was like, maybe this is another test and yeah, and I didn't want people to feel like you know this guy taking the mic, because uh, <laughs> you're saying we're getting another delivery in a, in a you know in a bit, so for that whatever. Okay. But, um, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, we didn't um, we didn't uh, kind of all descend into anarchy and and chaos and stuff. Yeah. Um, even though it does tell us something about how fickle we've become as a society, that you know just the littlest thing causes people to panic and yeah. is there, we need to think about that from our, from it's, our it's, it's, yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly what i was gonna say it's a, it's a type of tarbiya that has to be instilled um within individuals and then spread through individuals through society really uh and mm. i guess a lot of that starts from the home a lot of that starts with yourself and then those Good who are segue. around you <laughs> thank you very much mashallah so how how does how does one then uh, instill some of these values in our children, and uh, what approaches have have maybe you taken to instill mm. some of these these values? Uh, I mean, your children don't drive yet. <laughs> I hope not at that mm. age. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so it's obviously not not in terms of petrol, but there's obviously those underlying uh, ideas of tawakkul. There's underlying underlying ideas of yeah. being. Um, uh, being careful with resources 
the underlying ideas of uh, taking care of one another. If somebody else needs help, you can see that somebody else is struggling. Uh, mm. We saw the videos of there were nurses and the elderly who needed the petrol and the ambulances, but people didn't care. Well, you're all the way back here in the line. I'm over here. I'm going to get there first. You're not going to get there first. So there's no, I, there, was, mm. there was none of this caring for each other. So some, these are like fundamental things that go beyond Muslims and go beyond uh, just being within the confines of Islam. It, 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 it's across mankind and it's across ages and across history as well. So what are some, how can we help, I guess, our children to understand some of these fundamental things that maybe are becoming rare uh, in, in today's age? You know, you're right in that it's not just a Muslim thing. But it's it's the non-Western thing. Hmm. By what do I mean by that? Um, the prevalent kind of um, uh, philosophy of man. I just mentioned it a second ago. This is a yeah. very kind of Western-centric thing. It, it, it's easy to take shots at them because you know they're not Muslim and we're Muslim and stuff. But there are some other non-Muslim cultures that don't have this underlying right. paradigm of man. Yeah, like in the Far East, for example, some cultures. I remember my cousin once, he came back from a, a, a country in the Far East. And he said, I saw the weirdest thing. You know, when we come to work early, we get the best parking space. We park close to the building. Yeah. Um, because you got there early, you deserve it. Yeah. But <laughs> over there, he said, the earlier you come, the further away you park. <laughs> wow. Because the logic is, those who come late, they're going to have less time to, to walk. get in. So the people who come early, they park further away. Just wow. a little thing, just a tiny little thing, but it, it highlights an underlying logic, an underlying mm. kind of culture of how do you regard each other. You regard yourself as a collectivist. You regard yourself as a, a collective unit rather yeah. than individuals uh, competing with one another. And obviously that that has its own issues. You know, they maybe was exploited with communist powers and that kind of stuff. Soviet, you know, whatever. So they have their own issues, but I'm just highlighting this thing, you know, of looking at your other, the other human being next to you as not a competitor, yeah. but as some kind of, you know, some kind of connection with you, right? Maybe interdependence, maybe a cooperative kind of philosophy of you vis-a-vis -vis the next person. Yeah. Um, and that is something we. Uh, this is a big problem. This is the prevalent, the prevalent story about human beings since the last uh, several decades. Right? It's been it's been refined and honed and and and, and uh, kind of uh, made more 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 and more extreme as new products come out, new economies are built, and so for new technologies, um, such that in the UK, for example, is a, a, a Europe's one of the leading nations in Europe when it comes to loneliness. Yeah. Wow. Loneliness and isolation and um, partly or majorly because of this, because our yeah. underlying thing is that person, you know, he's, uh, we're all kind of uh, competing. When, 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 when the proverbial hits the fan, you know, when, when push comes to shove, that's the, 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 the paradigm that comes through. Yeah. Um, it's easy to be nice, you know, like I said, when you've got plenty, when there's prosperity, but when there's adversary, that's when your true nature comes out. Mm. And so it's not just a, you know, you're right, it's not just a non-Muslim thing, but specifically in our this part of the world and 
maybe Euro America, uh, Anglo America. That's been kind of um, uh, that's something we have to educate out of our kids or protect or shield them from. Yeah. Yeah. To shield them from. And, and how do you do that? One of the things I I try to do is. Um, one brother gave me this advice before my son was even born, first son. I just asked advice and he gave us really good advice. He said, just normally, you know, parents, they give feedback when the kid does something wrong. But you need to give them positive encouragement when they do something right. Yeah. Yeah. And I try and do that as much as possible. And I try to exaggerate the natural sunan of Allah. Yeah such that they get embedded into the kids so what do i mean by that for example yeah. if you share if you share something you'll get more okay as in yeah. the reward so, so you, allah multiplies the rewards of a good deed so you're trying to yeah. do that within a family setting yeah so if you share in particular for example if you share something yeah. with someone else okay you'll yeah. get more barakah in that thing okay if yeah, you try yeah. and hoard it to yourself mm. yeah it will finish and then you will feel that emptiness you won't mm. enjoy it You'll be worried. But if you have a scarce commodity, some chocolates or whatever, and you actually share it with your brothers, yeah. you'll, the enjoyment in that thing will increase and you'll get mm. more. So when you notice they do do that, you give them more. Yeah. You kind of accelerate, exaggerate the process. Normally, mm. it maybe happens on a slower scale, requires a bit more sabr. But kids are, have less of that, right? Of so you kind of reinforce that, that cosmic thing anyway that happens on a cosmic scale on a grander scale but you do that on these micro examples of them sharing mm. for example or um what's the other thing sharing and uh showing thanks showing shukur being grateful yeah mm. so you know these, these certain things from the quran from the sunnah of the prophet sallam, you know like um the ayah yeah. yeah. If you show thanks, if you show gratitude, I will increase you. Increase you in what? Increase you in more bounty. What do you show shukr for? For bounty, for a blessing. So it's a positive feedback loop. The more, yeah. you, the more, when you show shukr, you get more thing. You get increase. When you get that increase, you show more shukr, and you get more. It's positive feedback loop. So when you when you see your child. Giving that shukur, you increase them in whatever that, or more bounty, more, more gifts, and so forth. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, other, uh, any, any, any kind of divine law or rule that you come across, you know, you, you get that across to them in a kind of maybe an exaggerated or a, an accelerated way, you know. Um, and is this, is this the, uh, sort of, from your own maybe tadabbar of of the Quran and of teachings, uh, or is this something that um, is something that you've that scholars have have explained in our in our history? Is this something that we see examples of this in in our history, or is this something that you've just managed to kind of understand? Actually, and, I came okay. across some came across some examples. Yeah, I think in you know, like for example, I think it was Zainab al Ghazali, so contemporary. History, like recent history. She said that, I think it was her, Rahimahullah. She said that her grandfather used to, you know, tell us to make du'a for something, 
And then when we do it, he'd give us that thing. He said, "Oh, look, answer your du'a," you know. <laughs> when they're really young, to to kind of get that attachment, you know, or, or that encouragement. Yeah. Uh, get them always speaking to Allah as though He's their friend, you know. Mm. Introducing Allah that you know you, you always speak. if you want something, don't ask me, ask Allah, you know. That kind of uh, thing, uh, showing them, um, kind of giving a running commentary of. Um, what you're thinking, what you're hoping from Allah, you know. The other, just yesterday, I was. We have this place where we go after Jummah sometimes, and uh, one of my sons was with me, and uh, it's always a nightmare to find a parking space. Yeah. But whenever we send salah upon the Prophet we always find something. <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. Someone just leaves as we're coming in, so I just remembered to reminded him. Look, say a lot of make dua, say a salah and the Prophet um, make to other Allah gives parking space. Oh look, some three peak, three cars just came out. We can go and park now. So just kind of re like a, a running commentary, you know, of yeah. of what you're hoping from Allah and showing positivity, showing. Mm. Um, and and I'm guessing a lot of these things are uh, things that which you can bake into their their psyche, rather than being things which are uh, very outright, very in your face. Rather, you can subtly bake these in because as when they grow mm. up. Um, they might not remember very specific examples, but because it's been baked in their into their psyche, yeah. they resort back to that particular thing that they grew up with, or the thing that they yeah. saw, the experience that they had, uh, and 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 that sets, I'm guessing, a very good foundation of tarbiyah, uh, and and sort of you you then as a parent, once your children are. Out of your wings and out of your homes, and you no longer have an influence over them. You still actually have influence mm. over them because you, 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 you hit, you hit the, you, you did what you're supposed to do when they were young, and yeah. and now that influence will stay with them as they're older. I like that metaphor, baking it in. Yeah, mm. um, I'm always thinking of, you know, what are some of the narratives or feelings or sentiments that you want to bake into kids, or or just in our dawa generally. You know, and one of them is, yeah. for example, the more Islam you have, the more ease you'll have. Yeah. The more Islam you'll have, the more ease you'll have. Because there's a tendency to look at things in a micro zoomed in way, yeah? Like yeah. giving fasting is hard. Yeah? It's harder than not fasting. <laughs> <laughs> if you just move, if you just zoom in on that instance. But that's not a proper scientific comparison, right? Yeah. Maybe, uh, the, 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 First thing you learn in like year one science is the notion of a fair test. Yeah? yeah. If you want to compare fasting to something, compare the person who fasts to the person who cannot fast or does not fast or quits when it gets tough. Right. Yeah. Which one has an easier life? Which one can overcome obstacles? You know, uh, it's just like person lifting weights, mm. you know, lifting that weight, that instance of lifting that weight. Is obviously harder than not lifting weight, but a person who's conditioned his muscles, when a, an obstacle comes, it's easier for him to lift that thing. To so getting that, in, whether through lessons or examples or whatever, into children, that yeah, you might encounter some things that are hard that some of your friends don't have to do, that you know, you might not uh, like immediately, but when you persevere and do that. Islam, Allah's deen, Allah's guidance, it is 
ease. It's the the the, the easier path of the two. Yeah. Um, as Allah mentioned in the Quran, "Alam najalahu aynain wa lisanahu shafatain wa hadainahu najdain." You know, uh, we have uh, guided man towards with respect to two lofty paths, two high paths. Yeah. So both paths in life, the path towards Allah and away from Allah, they both contain difficulty. But the path towards Allah it might be difficult first, but it leads to ease at the end. Yeah. And the path away from Allah, it might be easy first, mm. but it gets very steep later on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I just think sometimes, maybe in an age-appropriate way, to take kids or mutarabbis or whoever, right, students, to to see for themselves that the results down the line of people who live a life that is away from Allah. Yeah. yeah. I always say three types of people, uh, maybe a few more, but th- like three types of people know the consequences beneath the superficial, beneath the surface, you know, um, presentation that we give of society and how, you know, nice things are. Three types of people know what lurks beneath the surface. The police, yeah. uh, NHS, uh, uh, A&E staff, mm. <laughs> especially on Friday night or something for Saturday night, <laughs> and people who work in the care service, right. uh, social services, care, um, you know, fostering services and stuff like that, because they see the consequences yeah. of the the glittery image that's portrayed on TV. You know, mm. of the ease. You know, if you wanna, if you feel like buying something, Amazon Prime, next day same day delivery. Feel like eating something. Uber Eats, uh, Just Eat, feel like even, subhanAllah, apps for zina. Yeah. yeah. Whatever whatever your desire is, fulfill it with a few taps of a button. Um, that, you know, that might seem easy, all this, you know, um, yeah. ease and, and uh, convenience. But yeah. what's the consequences of that? You know, take kids to see the, the chaos in Leicester Square on Friday night, for example, if they're old enough. Yeah. <laughs> so then if they say you know oh, why can't i do things that my kids my friends do yeah. or whatever look at this is the consequence of yeah not of of taking the eat the short cut the short term easy way out you know that mm. instant gratification um, culture and mm. that is one of the qualities of of a successful person so, you know having that ability to control themselves to delay gratification for a later yeah. reward yeah. that's just and you you, you, you find you find this in in philosophies from centuries ago, uh, um, you know, uh, philosophers like Plato, Aristotle, etc., uh, the, and, and thinkers throughout the centuries, uh, whether mm. Eastern and, and, <clears throat> and Western even up until very recently, mm. had these ideas that to become successful is to control your desires, is to go beyond uh, what you want, is to help other people, is to uh, train yourself to restrain your restrain. Restrain is actually mm-hmm. a very big thing that you find in many of these uh, these books that are written about um, just living your life and understanding purpose of life and whatnot mm-hmm. outside of even just a religious lens. Um, and you see this in many cultures, you know, uh, even when you look at, for example, martial arts um, and the philosophies behind it, a, a lot of it is about restraining yourself mm. uh, in order to and, and, and doing it over a, a long enough period in order to see the results of it um, and it's only very recently uh, that 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 idea has been flipped on its head that actually if I want to be successful 
mm. should go and get what I want right now. Uh, and the whole aspect of what you mentioned, instant gratification, and that's what's going to help me, and that's what's going to make me achieve uh, this is partly uh, the, great success. The, what's fueling the, the critique of liberalism now. Uh, Dr. Awaymir Anjum, I heard him say a really nice statement. He was giving a lecture on liberalism as a philosophy. And he said, it's the philosophy of the, the uh, of Hawa. Yeah. Of Hawa, yeah, of, of material impulse and desires. Um, and that's how people are being instructed to govern themselves. Whatever your Hawa wants, feels like. Not only is that fine and good now, but that's even a reflection of reality now you know if you mm. feel like a girl or feel like a boy or whatever that 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 impulse that feeling it's something uh you know that you have to worship and yeah. you know where where that where that leads you know uh, yeah i remember people. you saying in in uh one of the workshops you're delivering about about effects of social media that uh that it that that the, the, the patterns or the algorithms that are baked into social media um, actually feed into this desire of instant gratification and that's what what makes mm. you come back to it uh, so you, do you want to just expand on that and um, I had a we had an interesting discussion today in our class right the brothers yeah. were talking about they were pretty much all fathers mm. and brothers were talking about you know um uh, he said, I looked at my daughter's phone, 11 year old, and it's just weird, random, like uh, uh, YouTube videos and a history. And and I was like, you know, you shouldn't be watching random things without me benefiting. And everyone was like, what? She's got a phone. <laughs> Isn't that normal? And some people, you know, you have the spectrum. So, you know, there's some legitimate arguments that, you know, you, you have to give them these things or so they know how to use them. You have to nurture them sure. while they're still. But then, you know, my view is, no internet-connected devices, no smartphones. You can have a dumb phone, no <laughs> smartphones, until you're 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost halfway there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, it's unrealistic to say 25, but yeah. if you if you get that across to people, at least you alert them to the danger of this thing. Mm. Giving a child a smartphone is more dangerous than giving them a loaded gun yeah my opinion uh we don't we think that you know oh, i had a nintendo when i was a kid and my dad used to say oh why are you spending so long on the phone on the on the screen um and when he was a kid his dad probably said oh why are you spending so long playing with the, the little wooden horse or whatever the kid used to play with back then so it's we we have that tendency to think oh it's just old fogies kind of you know, yeah. criticizing whatever the new latest craze is. So this is just like that. No, this is nothing like the 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 technology, the toys, the innovation yeah. of previous decades. Because these connected devices exist in a completely new economy, a new um, set of logics. Right um, uh, behind each of these devices, these successful devices behind each app, there's teams of you know attention engineers and uh, and and uh, persuasion architecture to actually not just predict your future behavior but actually fracture your attention yeah. and grab as much of it uh, as it can to sell advertising for example against so these devices are very very strict when it comes to 
kids and alhamdulillah i think i've radicalized my kids against them <laughs> so far <laughs> they're not asking for like i have this thing whenever i speak to parents and kids i'm kind of very unpopular and popular as well i'm unpopular because i say things like don't get a phone to iphone to 25 whatever yeah. but i'm popular because i tell people i tell kids and their parents don't play any free games make your parents buy the expensive <laughs> the most expensive game that they can find because if something is free you can bet you're the product yeah. yeah if something is if a game is on sale for 60 70 80 pounds mm. then you know with reasonable kind of um certainty that that's that game was made to be a game it was made by oh. game developers and so it wasn't made by people just trying to hijack your dopamine uh, uh compulsion loops and sell ad uh, you know show you adverts and in-app yeah. purchases and all that kind of stuff those stuff try as much as you can to stay away from it that means yes fortnite and uh, these types of games are free but they 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 uh, you know they lace their product with dopamine hijacking techniques uh likewise the social media and stuff and whatsapp i was so shocked to find out that kids in school are actually told to set up whatsapp groups and they have whatsapp wow. groups, classes and stuff and a friend of the, one of the brothers he said it's actually illegal according to whatsapp's uh terms and conditions it says you should not uh, you you cannot give whatsapp to a kid under 16 for example or something like that oh and i haven't God. checked that out but I mean, Zishan, our head of tech for Sam and see, he wrote an article we published a few months ago, showing that WhatsApp and many other messenger apps they actually contain what we would call pornography, right? Embedded within the app, right? Because they all right. have a connection with uh, GIF providers, ah, or GIF yes. providers, however you, yeah, yeah, and they are downloaded onto your phone, and they, and a lot of them, have pornographic material, mm. right? And the kids, have, there's no, these don't get. You can't choose. You can choose can't an iMessage, I think, or Messenger. You can't uh, turn off some kind of safety filter when it comes to WhatsApp, for example. As uh, as of when the uh, the article's written, I don't yeah. know if they've changed that. But um, yeah, the social media is so ridiculously dangerous for a young person's brain and nervous system, right? I, can't, I don't even know where to begin. Right? I've spoken to... I'm not a youth worker, but I did a few events here and there. Yeah. And you can just tell, because of an unhealthy, uh, an improper introduction to tech, young brothers, you know, boys, they, it's, they, they, they find it hard to even have have a conversation or hold eye contact or yes. you know, express themselves because most of their lives is spent in cyberspace. Yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely noticed that going to mm. just just going um, you know where I, before I, I visited many different masjids to do uh, a number of workshops and uh, mm. there would always be at least you know one or two kind of sons with their fathers there and I've, and afterwards I you know I talked to the fathers and you could tell that the sons you know the fathers are telling them got a case salam alaikum and uh, they just can't. Uh, hold themselves in that way and I can get to mm. one extent you're, you're young and you know you're a bit shy and it's all adults and whatnot but mm. um, I think I think there's something else there that I can you can clearly notice there's something else there mm. going on in their brain activity that's preventing them from acting as they should really in, in that environment 
you know um and so you're saying a lot of that some of that is down to uh the types of things that they're exposed to and how it's changing their their patterns yeah i mean and most of the questions i got were like can i download this casino pack in gta 5 i was like first of all you're 12 years old that's 18 game (laughs) second of all the game's 10 years old man what the hell are you doing playing that stuff That's how they get you, you know, it's probably free now, it's such an old game, but they offer these in-app purchases and and ways to get you addicted and stuff, you know, Um, so that's why I'm unpopular with parents, because I tell their kids, look, don't use these devices because of X, Y, Z, but tell your parents, look, I'm not going to ask you for an iPhone, so instead I'm going to get, I want you to get me a car when I'm 16, or I want you to get me a PS5 or whatever, you know, I'd get the expensive games, you know, yeah. that are, were made for actually being games. Yeah. Because um, it's really, really important. We don't just hand over these. Uh, just as a rule, yeah. Don't give your child something before you know how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. It's straightforward, yeah. Before you know how yeah. to set it properly. So, so many threats, right? Look at the case of Bed- Breck Bedner. 2013 or something. Yeah. He's a 15-year-old boy. Um. He befriended someone playing an elder, an older boy playing uh, Call of Duty. Uh, he kind of radicalized him against his mother. He kind of groomed him, basically. He lured him somewhere. He uh, abused him and he killed him. Yeah. And his mom was like, police wouldn't help me because they were like, grooming doesn't happen to boys. What do you mean online grooming? What is that? Mm. What's this Call of Duty stuff? We don't know how to set the settings such that random people who are looking to groom kids or whatever or or steal your data or or hack your home network that they're they're not befriending your kids uh you know on these games brother was telling me that he saw a nine-year-old child on an ipad game messaging someone that he said she was talking to him for months yeah her mom didn't even know it's just a game what don't give your kids something before you know what the, what the heck it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, before you know how to... You wouldn't get a random person to come and play with your kids in your front room, I hope. Yeah. Um, not only that, but it's having an impact on our notion of haya and privacy as well. Mm. If everything I do is Instagrammed and my lunch, my dinner, my breakfast, There's do kids even have an idea of what is private anymore? Hmm. Right. What is private life? What is public? You're supposed to have a demeanor, a different demeanor in each. Right. If I'm vlogging everything I'm doing, uh, you know, then you were blurring that line. Not only that, we've got kid. The other day, I found random pictures on my phone and the and the photos app of the floor. You know, the wall, <laughs> the ceiling. I realized it was the one-year-old baby who had realized to pick up the phone, put the camera on, and start taking pictures. Yeah. <laughs> what effect is this having on our kids? They say, yeah. uh, you know, digital lit- digital natives now. Kids yeah. who have spent their entire lives in the age of su- super fast internet, you know, connected devices. How is it affecting them? We need to, yeah. you know... Um, this this, this to... is it's obviously something that we as humans don't even understand yet. We don't understand the effects because it hasn't been that long uh, enough mm. for, for, for us to, to, to understand it. But it's clear that this is unknown territory. It's clear that there already are signs of 
things popping mm. up in terms of mental health difficulties and yeah, yeah. Uh, and even physical FOMO. Uh, yeah fomo all, all of this kind of stuff we, we're seeing them come up so even though we don't have a maybe a long term study um that we can refer back to or a meta study that we can refer back to because it's too early there's already things that that are showing us the the the, the, the negative side was, of this i was speaking to yusha evans the other day he was yeah. in town and I uh, told him, uh, I was talking about this uh, about um, this kind of stuff with him. And I told him, you know, you should do some kind of... Because, you know, he does Muslim Gamer League. And he says yeah. a lot of parents, they give me a lot of messages saying, thank you so much. I'm so glad that at least when my kids are playing online, they, we know where they're in a secure environment. They're setting an ethos, Islamic kind of uh, reminders baked into, you know, uh, or at least protecting them going into random... Uh, stuff which is the internet is like a sewer, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was saying you need to like make a some kind of uh, let's make a parental resource of training parents how to set up your devices when your kids are playing online and that kind of stuff. There's so many other issues. You know, the Guardian did a um uh, a poll. I think it's 2016. Yeah, they on on secondary school students and tech. Yeah, they did. Um, they found that one in five kids, twenty percent of kids, even interrupt their own sleep in the middle of the night to check their messages. Wow. Yeah. Twenty-five uh, percent. Twenty percent. Yeah. Wow. One in five. Wow. Um, and the 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 messaging companies, uh, the social media companies, they lace their products. Oh. Yeah, to exploit these vulnerabilities in young people's brains. They've, they've like Bill Whistles Blows have said this clearly. Yeah. yeah. Um, just for example, there's even a company called Dopamine Labs. <laughs> you take your, you take your, you take your app to them, your idea to them, and they lace it with um, dopamine hijacking techniques to so say if you wow. do this, if you make this bigger, this sound frequency here, or whatever. For example, Snapchat, they introduce streaks. Yeah, um, this lady I forgot her name. She was researching something else, and she came across this by accident. Streaks is basically Snapchat. You send your friend, uh, uh, you know, a message or a video, a picture, whatever, and the number of days consecutively that you've messaged them, huh. you get a little fire emoji and a number next to it. I.e., that's your streak. You you've been speaking to them ten days in a row. Well done. Yeah. Just that little dopamine hijacking technique. She found that teenagers were actually just taking random pictures of the floor, of, of the light bulb, whatever, just to keep, to keep up that the number going up. To keep the streak. Yeah. It actually creates a, it's, a, it's a, a compulsion. Yeah, it's a compulsion in mm. them now. They, they found that when they were going on holiday, they would give people their passwords and stuff to keep the streaks wow. going alive. Yeah, this is just one example, just one little implementation, uh, to, to keep you. Uh, yeah, keep I you, mean, keep I've I've, I've noticed that in terms of age restrictions, this it's become a thing of the past, right? Because I remember growing up, if I wanted to go get a game, I had to go in store, and if I went in store, 
they wouldn't give me a game if I was young. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't get a GTA, yeah, because I looked like I was mm. I was I was ten years old. Uh, and and so I had to go outside and ask this this guy, oh, could you just get the game for me? And he walk and then you get it for me, all right? And then and then he'll give and then it he to me. Went off with it. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, it didn't happen. I actually got the game, no. but um, a point being is that there were there's a there, there used to be a number of ways to create age restrictions for 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 games or for even whatever it is, right? Uh, going going to cinema. If you went to cinema to watch a movie, um, they would see that you're with a young child. Oh no, you can't go into this one. It's a fifteen. You you have to go mm. to 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 a different to a different movie if you wanna if you wanna come. Uh, but now you have everything online, easy to access. You can download games straight to your PlayStation, your Xbox. You can mm. uh, stream mm. movies online, Netflix, Amazon Prime, etc. Uh, and and the only thing there is is to is to put in your date of birth, and you can put any date of birth that you want, and that's it. <laughs> They've done that. And when you go it? to, <laughs> that's it. You just go and put in. Yeah, I was born in nineteen hundred, and then that's it. You're you're through. And social media apps, they don't even ask you for that. You can download it straight to your phone and make an account yeah. without putting anything in. And anybody, uh, you know, kids uh, can 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 create that, and there's nothing stopping them from doing that. Mm. Um, and but so parents, it's become you know, the, age the, restrictions the become a thing of the past. Responsibility now is on parents, you know. They have yeah. to. Don't give your kids this kind of this kind of stuff, you know. So yeah. many problems. I'm just just coming. Random ones are coming to my head. Um, uh, Childline did a survey with NSPCC yeah, about um, sexting and uh, being being um, uh, solicited for nude pictures and stuff like that. I think I can't remember what it was. Something like. 25% of kids yeah admitting to being asked for these types of um these images and and that kind of stuff and they yeah. went down like this many 41% from people you know x many percent of people you don't know and this many out of that many 15% of kids actually sent a picture a nude picture because they're kids they you know whatever the excitement or the peer pressure or whatever yeah. they need to realize it if the the law is and and I know some um, uh, like some of our brothers they uh, like they work in schools and senior leadership teams yeah they have to deal with Muslim kids oh. with hijabs and everything all the symbols of Islam on them getting in trouble for falling into this kind of behavior because yeah. of the, the peer pressure whatever. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know it doesn't surprise me. It's unfortunate to say that, but it doesn't yeah. surprise me that Muslim kids are falling into it because, at the end yeah. of the day, that's 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 what their age group is doing, you know, mm. and they're going to be influenced by that. But they, maybe this will wake up those parents. Did you know that, under UK law currently, English law, if you are caught sending something in an indecent image or whatever of an under eighteen child. You will go, you will get a criminal record, go on the sex offenders list, even if it's your own picture. Wow. Yeah. So that child who's being pressurized into sending whatever, if they get caught, yeah. they will go on the sex offenders list. Yeah. Uh, just let that sink in for a moment. Anyone who has given their kids a, a phone and thinks it's, you know, just, you know, harmless fun or whatever. If something's being shared around in random groups and stuff and they click forward or whatever, they could go on a sex offenders list, yeah. right? So yeah. just just so many issues of, of giving a young person these connected devices 
unbridled internet access is absolutely ridiculous. You would not give them a loaded gun, right? Yeah. These are these things are more dangerous to their mental health, their legal health, their iman, their future careers. You know, now this whole thing about digital footprint, right? Yeah. Anyway, you find some of you you sent a text when you're twelve year old, twelve years old, saying something silly, that yeah. can be used against you now, yeah. right? So just <laughs> you know, there's so many potential problems. And not to mention the actual philosophical and psychological impact it's having, it's having on the whole yeah. notion of free will now. Yeah, mm. on free will. If everything is heading towards more and more accurate prediction of future human behavior, adverts and, and, and whatnot, yeah. then what does that say about our own sovereignty, our own... Yeah. Uh, are we making our own decisions anymore? Mm. Right, going, are we, are we, are we just where... constantly being fed things that the yeah, marketing yeah. agencies want us to be fed? So we start thinking in certain ways. We think that this is what we desire, but it's not really mm. what we desire. It's something Absolutely. that's been artificially uh, engineered into our minds to make us think that we desire those things. So what are you at the end of the day? You're, yeah. you're just like a turkey being fattened up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're you're just a, you're just a consumer, right? Who's just being kept barely alive, in order mm. to consume more and more and more, right? Yeah, subhanallah. Um, and and the the big tech companies aren't gonna, you know, change anytime soon. Of course, well, let's be realistic. They protect their own kids. You know? Yeah. Famous, you know, Steve Jobs. That, yeah, yeah. That, that quote of him, yeah. 2014, I think, New York Times. Someone asked him, oh, what do you think kids think about the new iPad? I don't know. We haven't given it to them. <laughs> yeah. And we, we severely restrict the tech our kids are exposed to. Um, so because they understand the underlying logics, the, 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 the consequence of it, yeah. it's not just some, you know... Um, so would you, would you say toy. that um, if, if in the household uh, we do still need some entertainment, okay, maybe... The, the parents do still want to show their kids some cartoons, do still want them to play some games, do still want them to have some sort of digital entertainment. Is it maybe better to show things uh, from decades ago? You know, uh, absolutely, looking absolutely. at cartoons that, that were on, or games that, that they, that retro games. Is it better to do that or should be totally avoided as well? I gave my kids as much as a, a methodical tarbiya as possible. I got them started on Super Mario Brothers one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the proper old school eight bit, you know, <laughs> retro games like Pong. <laughs> <laughs> Not throwing them into the deep end because there's you know they, they need that computer game literacy as well. Atari. Half joking. And then yeah. N sixty four, then Dreamcast, yeah. then GameCube. Thank you for mentioning Dreamcast. A lot of people uh, just just glaze oh over God. that. That is the cla- That is my childhood. Yeah. Is Dreamcast. That's the that's the that's the machine that killed Sega. <laughs> but um, the screen time is not good, especially for younger kids. But if we're let's be realistic here. Yeah? If we're in a position where you have to choose your battles, yeah. right? If you if it's either if that's going to stop them feeling left out that, you know, they don't have a phone or whatever, get let them watch programs or TV programs that are, have some benefit at least. Yeah. You know, that at least is one way. It's not someone controlling them with, with, the, with the degree of granularity and the degree yeah. of 
of um you know um coercion that is social media and uh, free games and stuff pay yeah. for games get games that are well made by people who have a passion for making games for the purpose of the art of game making there's loads yeah. of them not games that are made just for making kids addicted and and clicking on ads and stuff to carry on right yeah. or buy in-app purchases or whatever or loot boxes which i think they're going through the the parliament now to to get covered under the gambling um legislation right yeah. wow so, yeah yeah um <laughs> So we have to be very so careful. There's even there's there's even these aspects of haram that are inside of these things that we're using that uh, that we're so unaware of because it doesn't look like a traditional form of haram. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's haram per se. I'm not gonna go. Yeah, I mean, potentially. I yeah, yeah, I'm not it. saying that it is, but, but as in because UK Parliament doesn't determine what's halal or haram. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, at least. <laughs> but Our Amir, uh, if Boris they do, Johnson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Boris. You know. if they do, if they do label it as gambling, that doesn't necessarily change the Islamic ruling, but it will wake us of course, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wait a second. What? My kids uh, been involved in something legally called gambling. Let mm. me let me think about this, right? Um, and uh, you know, you those kind of funny slash scary stories where. Brothers get uh, you know call you up or the youth workers get called up saying my kid just spent a thousand pounds on my credit card getting uh, Fortnite skins or whatever. <laughs> you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. When, when people think that it's gonna you know hit the hit the purse strings and then they might wake up a bit. But yeah, um, yeah. So actual good entertainment, um, learning. So the thing is. You can't barge into a kid's room and take away all their tech and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You have to give them something that will entertain them, will occupy them with something productive, will challenge them. Yeah. One thing that's getting quite, um, you know, um, trendy is is talking about flow. Yeah. Oh. States of flow and so yeah. forth. When you're in a particular thing and, you know, certain circuits in your ner- nervous system, they turn off. So that you're in the zone, basically, like happens with athletes or artists or whatever. They, they, uh, th- there is a, uh, there is a some, you know, literature on this. It's hard to have a given operational definition and stuff to to make quite kind of robust scientific argument about it. But what you see, generally speaking, is you see when something is, uh, uh, you see number one, you see when people describe subjectively somewhat that they're in states of flow and so they get into the zone and something that correlates with their overall happiness that's number one and number two how do you get what, what do they describe as these states that is when you're engaged in something which is not trivial and it's challenging yeah it's 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 a bit difficult it's a bit challenging and it requires some concentration yeah so it's not something you know silly but it's something that you can get into, uh, into in the zone in something you're, you're doing. Yeah. Whether it's some kind of art, or you're learning to, you're learning a skill, or a martial arts, or a sports, or you know some kind of um, I don't want to say musical instruments because they're haram, but you get what I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, something which is which requires a bit of skill is is, is challenging, right? And it's it's heard you. Forcing you yeah. to pay attention or something. 
we need to, that's one way to counteract mm. yeah the attention what i call the attention economy which is what the the whole all this uh, um the uh, social media and free games right. and that kind of stuff what, what that's built upon because that's yeah. built upon fracturing your attention span and grabbing bits of it algorithmically it's not like someone uh, some people are you know, in a boardroom somewhere planning some evil illuminati thing these things happen automatically now yeah they're just they're just done by artificial intelligence machine machine learning algorithms and stuff they can't turn it off but what we can do is counteract it by giving something for example encouraging them to hobbies uh, challenging that cost money maybe we might we might feel the pinch but at least we're getting them to do things which are helping them train how to focus again um, oh. and one thing for example uh, we should all do adults as well especially uh, turn off notifications off yeah because what happens when you're notified that characteristic chime which lots of research goes into focus groups or whatever and and into doing what fracturing your attention yeah when you get disturbed uh when you get distracted from some period of attention requiring focused work it takes something like 25 minutes to regain the same level of concentration and it yeah. increases your distractibility over the mm. next several hours yeah so yeah. all day you'll be more easily distracted mm. so remove those distractions and give kids something to focus on yeah um uh that's what, not what, trivial that's what, what have you seen uh what effects have you seen in 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 your children and maybe more so the 11 year old um because he could he's probably been through the the tarbiya program that you've uh, <laughs> you've 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 set out or he's been through at least half of it uh what what kind of uh impacts do you think you've seen in your children and maybe in comparison to uh, other kids that you know from interactions that you've had I don't know to be honest I mean you know 99% of it is just tawfiq from Allah yeah. 100% of it <laughs> yeah you never know kids just naturally they have from Allah you know they have different personality types yeah. I've got three boys here three sons and each of them has a radically different personality yeah So it's it's not because of my tarbiya that we give uh, our, our tarbiya that we give them necessarily it's just from like, since they were born yeah. they have yeah. very vastly different personalities one of them he's a daydreamer <laughs> yeah he just kind of uh, uh, kind of zones out and starts kind of daydreaming and stuff and I'm actually I tell my wife don't distract him yeah sometimes it's good He's actually building up a natural defense mechanism for when he gets uh, eventually gets into this whole attention economy if he's yeah. able to focus on something and you know his imagination whatever uh you'll be calling his name he won't respond yeah Sheikh Farid actually gave me a tip I thought maybe maybe this bordering bit not normal right uh, maybe right. you know getting checked for certain things and stuff he sure. said no 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 Uh, we checked him for epilepsy and stuff because some people said okay. that if they daydream maybe that they like internally they're having a seizure or something but alhamdulillah nothing they didn't okay. uh, find anything Sheikh Farid said whisper his name mm. <laughs> so he's saying Abdullah 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 yeah. like you say Abdullah Abdullah what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know why, how, why it works yeah maybe I don't know why it yeah. works but that's how you because yeah I'm guessing because uh, the, the way that maybe we recognize our name is in a certain tone right 
Salman, Salman, Salman. But if somebody says, nobody really says Salman, right? So <laughs> kind of your ears perk up, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah, and it might be something to do with that. But that's 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 quite yeah. interesting. He's yeah, a daydreamer. Yeah. So what what are your other uh, kids into? The other one, he's like a mini me. He's very he looks like me a lot, and he uh, you know he's he's does a lot of the things I used to do. Like okay. quite studious, but you know, Mashallah. he's he he's kind of kid you can just tell go and read about this and he'll start you know read. Okay. You know, uh, he's the eldest. Maybe I think that's a pattern with eldest. Future Islam twenty one C contributor. <laughs> maybe, uh. maybe yeah, twenty two C maybe. <laughs> um, like I mean, he would. The other day, a lot of brothers came around after a team building thing from Santa and he was just playing chess. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to play chess. No, with his brother. Oh, okay. I don't know how to play chess. And they're playing chess. And they're like, wow, look, someone's son. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know how to play chess. I said to him, hey, don't... you're only supposed to do that Showing when social off. services come around. <laughs> but Because they're homeschooled. Okay. So, you know, everything, that's a whole other discussion, you know. It's a whole other, um, we can need another episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's our, philo- my, my philosophy personally for to learning is, it's not about sitting them down and saying, you know, do this, do that, but try and make anything into an excuse to peak curiosity. Yeah. yeah? So that they get to learn, uh, you know, uh, they want to learn something, they're curious about something. And that way, through the back door, you can introduce some of that other stuff like maths and, and other stuff, you know, if you like, for example, um, you know, you want them to, like the other day, yeah, the other day, maybe a year or two ago, he found my Pokemon cards from when I was a kid. I didn't know I still had them. them. I, put them in a, I had to put them in a folder. Oh, yeah, yeah. those those wallets. And uh, there was wallets <laughs> with things in Yeah. And I was, I used to collect, I used to get, like, when I was 10, 11 years old, that, that's when they came out. So I used to yeah. just, I had loads of them and then just forgot about them. Um, and now Pokemon cards are big again. They're, and people are like, you know, selling them and buying them and maybe there's worth a lot of money. He was yeah. like, look, Baba, I found loads of Pokemon cards and he's really, he was really into Pokemon cards. So I said, all right, write a sp- make a spreadsheet that shows how much each of them are worth. So yeah, something he's interested in. Yeah. Teaching him how to Google stuff, mm. how to search on whatever, how to use a spreadsheet. Some people might call right. it child labor, but <laughs> yeah. Um, how to use a spreadsheet? I was like, you know what? Look, now you got these values. Look, you can do some formulas and stuff like that. Oh, this is sick. Yeah. So yeah. Just whatever, and you get some maths in there as well. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that so, is so as, as, as natural natural as possible uh, mm. that, that education yeah I think that's um, obviously <coughs> I, mean, I don't know it probably does depend on the child or depend on the setup that you have at home yeah. if, if that's going to uh, work but um, it, it sounds mm. quite ideal in that way because it's I mean uh, when I, I was recently going to visit some nurseries just to see how it is and if I want to send uh, uh, you're a bit old for that bro <laughs> I, I'm missing I my uh, sound effects, man. Yeah, I know. Well, if anyone's <laughs> wondering, we're we're undergoing a bit of a revamp of the podcast, and my sound effects thing was is in the studio. So yeah, we're waiting we for some some more um, 
podcast yeah. episodes uh islam twenty podcast we're just we're just releasing all of these uh, old uh, clips i'm clips, waiting for yeah, a new yeah. episode <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah i was looking at these nurseries and um they were they were saying how now the the culture in nurseries is to follow the child's interests so <coughs> if the child goes over to uh, play outdoors then and and he's going away from maybe some activities happening inside you don't stop the child you allow them to go outdoors and allow them to uh, um experience whatever they they mm. they they're trying to go to because you're supposed to follow that child's interest and then uh, after a while you then create around that for the child certain activities so uh, if if a child's not very interested in reading but is very interested in coloring then what you are trying to achieve with the reading uh in terms of any objectives mm. you need to bring that into the the coloring and then try to to do it in that way so um i think i think it's probably just becoming a lot more uh maybe nurseries and schooling system are starting to realize that actually maybe more natural forms of learning uh, mm. are, are more beneficial to, to, to children rather than the Sounds like the Montessori method. Montessori method, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one brother, Sheikh Ashraf, actually was saying the other day that um, it's, there's, they're reviving more of a learning through play thing Yeah. Uh, for younger kids. And uh, that's in line with, you know, the famous statement of, you know, play with them when they're in the first seven years, yeah. then teach them. And then mentor them, mm. the next and the third seven years. So learning through play, you actually learn a lot from playing. Yeah. yeah. Um, for for example, even especially teamwork, how to deal with winning, how to deal with loss. Yeah. You know how to deal with you know things not going your way. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe falling over, hurting yourself. How to get up again. These are really important things that you that play actually gives you, you know, oh. uh, for kids, and that's uh, yeah, I really believe in that as well. We had yeah. an Islam, we have an Islamic Montessori nursery near our house. That's where our oh, is it? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I used to go. Okay, that's good. I I saw that. Yeah. I mean, it relates back to this recent article I saw on the website of. Uh, I think it was Brother Osman uh, wrote it. A uh, short article Osman. where yeah, he explains yeah, yeah. that. Um, uh, parenting uh, used to be quite simple and now it's quite complicated and that we, we sort yeah. of get it messed up that we don't have to focus on this and this and this and this and this and and, and, mm. and, and uh, sort of categorise each part of uh, um, parenting and each part of our child's development and then try to hone in mm. on it and focus on it actually there's a much more simple approach which is you as a parent become a role model for your children and rather than having to mm. firefight uh, um, and and say oh my child's not doing so well there and he's being influenced by his peers over there so now mm. i need to focus on reading now i need to focus on social interactions now i need to focus on emotional intelligence mm. but rather mm. you could have done that all in one package if you uh, as a parent were modeling those things through very natural things, like you're saying, through play, through just natural education, through just mm. uh, um, kind of reflecting that off yourself, of your own good manners, just of your own behaviours. Be, just being, yeah, exactly, just being, just being with, with them. them and being present. And that's another, another issue with, with being connected to social media and messaging apps mm. and phones and stuff, is this whole thing of youth culture, this new youth culture thing. Um, which is a new invention, which is you know damaging, harmful to kids. 
they're never separate from their peers. Mm. They're never getting that horizon, that that vertical um, knowledge transfer, which isn't like a cognitive thing, but they're learning yeah. through watching, mm. learning skills, they're learning how to interact with people from their parents, as as has been done from elders, as has been done throughout mm. history of the human species. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. never had a, a thing where kids of the similar age are just together learning from and each creating other. their own culture. No. Yeah. People are they you have you know, disciples of certain skills or crafts and so forth yeah. or knowledge even. They go and sit at their feet. They they from a young age people are rubbing shoulders with people older than them. Yeah. Looking at, you know and, and you, fi- now and you, you find now that, you realize. Yeah, you find you find that uh when they go older they they realise that and now they go mm. out and they seek mentors and they seek coaching. And they seek all that kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I was just speaking to some of my cousins who are now turning sort of 17, 18, 19 years old. And now they're coming, they're calling me up and asking me about certain issues that they're facing at that age, the normal issues that they might face at that age. Mm-hmm. But I'm noticing that, um, you know, they didn't have uh, a strong foundation to begin with that would have helped them address this in the first place. And they rather they spent a lot more time being influenced by peers of their own age that obviously didn't know mm. how to instill those values in them. Now they realise I need to look up to somebody who's older than me, that's been there, mm. that's done that, and I need to learn from that person, which is why they're calling me up. So, uh, you that's know... It's quite wise beyond their years. That's, that usually happens in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> <laughs> I read a nice quote uh, a few years ago. It said... Um, when you realize your father was right, you have a son telling you you're wrong. Mm, yeah. Yeah. By the time you yeah. realize your father was right, you have a son telling you you're wrong. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, completely 100%. That's a powerful uh, perspective. And part of it is just the atomization of society, the creation of this new nuclear family nonsense, which is completely new, yeah. never in history, where we in our little silos was even our architecture like this in throughout most of history it takes a village to raise a child oh. yeah there's a one house yeah one family is considered of maybe 50 100 people yeah right people interacting sharing resources sharing expertise um generally a split between the 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 domain of women and domain of men you know oh. so you have Elderly, elder women teaching younger women, elderly men teaching younger men, you know, uh, not teaching in a necessarily an yeah, intellectual yeah. sense, but, yeah. you know, giving them skills, showing them how to interact. They have their own domains, their own politics, all of the features yeah. of that, that are carried out by either private corporate entities today or state bodies. They were carried out by these family yeah. institutions the tribe and, this, the clan, and that's that's across societies as well uh, yeah in history is all societies are like this even architecture yeah. is like this you know yeah and it's during colonial modernity that atomization of societies took place that's how you can oppress the people <laughs> yeah separate them uh and, and hannah errant uh she mentioned that uh atomization is a precursor for or a condition for totalitarianism yeah. you know have you, have you read, uh, have you read uh, this book, Toxic Childhood, by Sue Palmer? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it is, I've got it. You have it, yeah? I, 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 had, I read, um, I think I read some of it, or okay. I don't know if I, ages ago, so I had it for years. Yeah. I remember uh, attending a lecture, an online lecture of her, some sisters organised it uh, oh, for okay. parents. 
years oh. ago. And that's when I, um, yeah, yeah. So similar. Because that point about, about modernity mm. reminds me of, of what mm. she says in her book. I, I haven't completed it yet either. I'm reading parts of it here and there. But uh, I, I have that same, go, same copy. Yeah, that's the old one. <laughs> yeah, I've got the same copy. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's, uh, she, she, she explains this as well in terms of the comparison between the old and the new and mm. how much difference there is and what benefits we can take from learning from centuries and centuries and centuries of practices and, and knowledge mm. versus uh, the very recent few decades of new modern modern change that has come and how that's affecting children mm. and uh, she just links it back to that and it's very it's kind of once you see that it's kind of like, yeah so obvious right like if mm. things have it's like you know if it's not if it's not broke uh, you don't fix it, right? Is it, if things have been uh, hu- human beings are human beings, as in we haven't changed in our cells in our biological makeup, uh, you know, since forever. So and and the the same things go on inside of us. We have a fitra, we have certain, uh, we have an ego, we have a soul, we have psychology, we have all this stuff goes on inside of us. We have the nafs, we have shaitan that knows us. We, you know, we have all of these things and that's been going on for centuries. So the solutions or the, the, the way that our, our body or our mind needs to behave and needs to react to certain situations, a lot of that is proven already throughout centuries, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And we don't, like, I think there's a mistake that happens nowadays that if we increase in technology, therefore we increase in morality, that the more advanced our species is, uh, the more advanced our morality is. But that's not necessarily true because our, mm-hmm. our morality is very much linked to our human essence. And that human essence existed from the first human beings and will exist till the last human beings. Technology won't mm-hmm. change that human essence and therefore uh, morality doesn't need to be measured by technology. And, um, and if we just, tap just into that... <laughs> Which is true. I mean, how many? I mean, my mom's a teacher, and she's saying how kids are. It's becoming harder to teach kids how to do handwriting nowadays. Um, You know, uh, so. But to be fair, they probably won't need it anymore. (laughs) I mean, but still, there's that. You know, that's true. But yeah, I mean, it's it's that aspect of things that there is a proven understanding of how to do things. All that needs to be done is taken into a modern context. We don't have to reinvent how to uh, uh, give ourselves tarbiyah. I mean, you do need to think about, though, how can you revive some of that, yeah? Yeah. Because people can't just turn a clock back and start raising kids properly as a village because you're geographically, architecturally separate, financially separate. Uh, Nothing is is more kind of um, comical in my mind, that, uh, or, uh, as an example of this, of the replacement of family structures by certain private corporate entities. Mm. Nothing more comical as an example of that than the banking system, for example. You have a father who's got his money in the bank, he's getting 2% interest, and the bank is giving money to his own son <laughs> by his credit card, and charging him 30 40%. <laughs> <laughs> when the father could have just right so these external things coming in and separating atomizing people how do you get back to you know you maybe maybe tech some tech is the answer you know 
yeah. you know for example crowd like some brothers are doing this crowd um banking that kind of stuff yeah. you know crowd uh, um, home ownership positive yeah. finance i think yeah. a friend of mine from uh, uni raza oh. shout out he was involved in that um i remember one one thing i heard about uh, an estate near where i grew up is that they implemented a mentor system of older guys having a ratio or, or a kind of responsibility over some of the younger guys and so some of the younger guys would be reluctant to go too crazy you oh. know off the off the straight and narrow yeah. because out of a sense of shame out yeah. of a sense of you know oh what would they the other guys you know, the older guys think if i did this or whatever at least it makes them think twice you know because yeah. having that having no shame at all is one reason why we're in this mess yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the removal of shame or the, the looking down on shame this very human very important uh impetus and imperative for human beings to act in a civilized way if you get rid of shame you can do whatever you want nothing no yeah. values no no nothing stopping you so maybe something like that some people maybe you know you need kind of a architectural uh ideas as well there's a thing someone told me called there's actually a field called decolonial architecture now <laughs> yeah looking at how you know um to to re- maybe revive some of the the architectures that's con- conducive to pre-colonial pre-modern um ways of living you know many mm. different families together in small communities and that kind of stuff yeah. um yeah we have to think and think creatively you know how to how to get around that because so many issues in, in modern day stem from that atomization that social atomization and um yeah but yeah. we could go on for hours man <laughs> Definitely, That's yeah. I was gonna say we can go on for hours. We've been going on for about an hour and a half now. So I think we need mm-hmm. to uh, get on another episode and expand on some of these points, like homeschooling, like uh, mm-hmm. potential um, uh, future solutions for our children, types of things that they could, industries that they could get involved in uh, that could help solve mm-hmm. uh, some of these issues and actually uh, maybe also uh, drive that way forward as well through some of this technology so mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. uh, some of that stuff will be interesting to speak about but yeah jazakallah khair for coming on i think we've covered quite a lot okay, and uh, pleasure. if you like this podcast give a like and a share oh sorry <laughs> sorry you're, you're oh, in so the wrong good. zone <laughs> <laughs> but yeah jazakallah khair do give like and a share and um, subscribe and all that good stuff jazakallah khair assalamu alaikum Wa alaikum salam, wa alaikum salam, wa alaikum salam, wa alaikum salam, wa alaikum salam.